0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for the final day of February, February 28th, 2018. Not a leap year, uh, which I found out today. I guess I don't know. I, I think I asked you when if it was a leap year or not, and you said no, and I think you weren't sure, and that's how we found
1: it. Yeah, no one knows when leap years are coming. It's Nobody just wait when, when it turns to it. midnight. Yeah, is it March 1st or is it the 29th? That's how you find out. I'm, I'm surprised you know this early.
0: It's it's very unpredictable. There's no way there's no way to tout whether it's going to be whether it's going to be a leap year or not. Yeah, it's just random. Uh, so for a slate tomorrow, we have nine games and a good amount of value so far. I think it's going to be a pretty solid slate. Uh, we already have some guys who are already out that have created value, and some guys who are questionable. So first game on the slate is the Milwaukee Bucks, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, from the Milwaukee side of the game. Jabari Parker isn't on the injury report, but I'm just assuming right now that he's not playing. Uh, I don't really think that has a ton of impact on other Bucs players. The only reason I bring it up is that I think that Parker is getting to a place where he's a good play going forward. He played 26 minutes on, what's, yeah, about 27 minutes on Monday night and finished with a pretty good fantasy game. I mean, if he's going to start playing his regular minutes now, which he's pretty close to it, I mean, 26 minutes tonight, he figures to play somewhere 20 to 30 minutes the next game he plays. So, I mean, he's just way too cheap at 4,600. He was 7,300 when he got injured last year. So I I think that he hasn't played any back-to-backs since he came back this year, second ACL tear last year. So I think this is going to be another rest spot for him. I don't have any confirmation of it. I'm just guessing right now. I still think Giannis is fine to pay up for at 8500 but maybe not necessarily a great target. Just kind of somebody to be in the player pool. From the Detroit side of the game, uh, we have Andre Drummond, 9600 Blake Griffin's all the way down to 7700 He hasn't been great lately, but I think that's an interesting price point on him. So I prefer to roster him to Drummond if I was picking Pistons big men.
1: So I sort of disagree on Giannis just because I think there are going to be a lot of expensive players that are usable. And I think Giannis is just probably a little bit worse of a play than some of the other high-priced guys that we'll get to. But in a vacuum, I think he is fine at 10500 and maybe he gets a little bit of a boost usage-wise with Jabari Parker being out. Uh, but yeah, the value in this game does seem to be on the Detroit side with Drummond and Griffin being a little underpriced. Playing the Bucks is hard matchup-wise. They play slow and they're good defensively, but they are beatable at the center position, and I guess that's more Drummond's area than Griffin's area. But if the reason that they're bad against centers is because they're bad at protecting the rim and they're bad at rebounding, then that should help both Drummond and Griffin So maybe it's a plus matchup for both of them. And either way, their prices look a little bit too low. It's the second game of a back-to-back for Milwaukee, so their defense could be a little bit worse, and it's on the road. So I I like Drummond and Griffin, but I don't really think I like anyone else from this game. Uh, Maybe Jabari Parker, if he's playing, and if we know that he's playing full minutes, or at least full minutes relative to what he's played so far this season.
0: All right. The next game we have here is the Toronto Raptors at the Orlando Magic. So we have in this game, this is another one I think has a pretty high amount of blowout risk. Toronto is currently favored by 9.5, plus Aaron Gordon was just added to the injury report with a hip injury. So this is the same exact injury that caused him to miss the last three to four weeks before the All-Star break. So that's a little bit concerning. From the, from the Raptors' side of the game, I do think the price is a bit too low on Kyle Lowry still at 7500 Orlando has been awful against point guards this year. So I think a lot of upside in Lowry at 7500 It's actually been kind of weird because lately on DraftKings, Lowry has been cheaper than DeRozan, but then on FanDuel, DeRozan's been cheaper than Lowry. So I've just kind of been playing whichever one's cheaper on which site. Uh, I also think Jonas Valanciunas is an upside play at 5800 but also not a cash game play because the minutes just don't exist sometimes. From the Magic side of the game, uh, it's it's hard to really make too much of a prediction on any players, just because we don't know the status of Aaron Gordon. If he's out, then I think Pazonia is probably likely to start, and then he's a good value play at 4600 He's at, uh, let's see, what are his numbers at a start of this year? He's had a couple of really big games while starting, and I think most of them have come while he's been a chalk player, which is uh, just kind of a coincidence, but that will also probably mean that if he starts, he's going to have really high ownership. Uh, also, yeah, as a starter this year, Hazonia's averaging a little over 30 fantasy points per game. So definitely a strong play for me if Hazonia starts and Gordon's out.
1: Has Hazonia started any games when Vucevic has played? I guess it may not even matter much because that shouldn't really change Hazonia's outlook. He's going to be, I guess, technically the power forward either way. So whether it's Vucevic in there or it was Biombo or Spates or whoever at center, I guess it doesn't make much of a difference. Uh,
0: He he has started alongside uh, Vucevic this year.
1: Um, Well, anyway, I think that Kyle Lowry is probably the safest player in the game, but I think, and I guess it would be Hazonia if Gordon's out, but I think if Aaron Gordon's out, this game makes for a pretty intriguing stack spot. Uh, Kyle Lowry, like you said, is underpriced, and I think he would do well in a game that stays close. Valanchunas maybe gets legitimate minutes in a game that stays close. And then from the Magic side, you could pair probably Evan Fournier with Hazonia, and then Vucevic has to get some kind of a bump with Aaron Gordon being out. Um, There's less blowout risk if Gordon plays, but I think it's harder to figure out who to use from the magic. So even though the blowout risk is higher if Gordon's out, I think I'd actually be more inclined to stack the game if it's that scenario.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to bring up the stat. Like, definitely uh, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that Vucevic gets a pretty decent bump with Gordon off the court. I'm trying to bring up the numbers to see exactly uh, what they are, but... With all the value plays that are on the slate, Izonio will still probably be one of the chalkier options if he's starting up. So, actually, huge boost for Vucevic, actually. Uh, He scores 45.5 fantasy points for the season. With Aaron Gordon off the court, he's scoring uh, 53.3 fantasy points for 36 minutes. So, Vucevic, if he doesn't have the minutes restriction, which he's had a little bit recently, also a really strong play if Aaron Gordon's out.
1: So would you play Vucevic just independently outside of a game stack without Aaron Gordon there? Um,
0: yes. After, after seeing those numbers, I would, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that even if he only ends up playing 30 or so minutes and they're getting blown out, maybe even a little bit less than that, if Gordon's not there, the usage is probably high enough that he's a good play regardless. So, uh, yeah, Vucevic is a strong play if Gordon's out. Hazonia is a strong play if Gordon's out. And then I think the game stack is probably a pretty good move overall uh the total's 220 and i think i'll i'll just mention this again it's it's kind of the case with the raptors where teams against them are undervalued because the raptors are good defensively but they also play fast so it's not it's not as bad of a matchup to play them as people think sometimes and it's also a home game for the magic so the spread is only nine nine and a half points it's not like the odds are expecting a blowout to happen although it's kind of it's sort of likely it's Close to as likely as any other game on the slate, but not overwhelming.
0: Alright, the next game on the slate, as all the tabs keep closing on my iPad, is the uh, Charlotte Hornets at the Boston Celtics. So for the Hornets side of the game, both Cody Zeller and and, um, uh, Dwight Howard got injured during their Monday night game. Dwight is being listed as probable for tomorrow. He did come back into the game and finished. Uh, Cody Zeller did not come back. He's being listed as questionable. If Zeller's out, then I think Dwight Howard is an interesting play at 7,700 just because we saw the situation earlier in the year where Zeller was out, and it led to a ton of minutes for Dwight. The other thing also is the Horns are in must-win mode. So they're on the outs of the playoff picture right now. They have to finish the season really strong to make the playoffs. Uh, There's probably a pretty decent chance that Dwight Howard doesn't come back next year, that they would look to move him in the offseason. So I I don't think there's anything they're going to be saving his minutes for. If Cody Zeller's out, then I assume Dwight Howard's going to play as many minutes as he could possibly handle. So it's 7,700. I think he's a fine play. Other really strong value play for sure is Jeremy Lamb, probably my favorite value play on the entire slate, 4,500. He's a really strong per-minute producer. And Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, hamstring injury during tonight's game. So he's probably going to be out for a little while. Lamb is either going to start or he's going to or he's going to come off the bench and play extra minutes. But either way, it's going to make him a strong value play. Earlier in the year, when Kid Gilchrist was out, I think Travion Graham started. But Graham just started and played like 15 minutes and was still Lamb playing uh, most of the small forward minutes. So really strong play, Jeremy Lamb at 4,500. From the Celtics side of the game, it's kind of the same story I always say with the Celtics is – it's really hard to target any of their players individually because the production for them is so spread out. They have a bunch of really good players, and they, they share the ball a lot. There, there really isn't a lot of upside in anybody. Uh, the one guy who I do think is worth rostering is Al Horford because his price has gone all the way down to 6300 so that's just cheaper than where he's been.
1: Uh, so the line for this game has moved from 6 to 7.5. Boston's now favored by 7.5 with that injury news on – on Howard and then Zeller and Kid Gilchrist. Uh, The Hornets are going to be shorthanded for this game, at least with MKG out. But it sounds like they'll be missing at least Zeller and maybe Dwight Howard also. But yeah, I agree with you that even in a tough matchup in Boston, Dwight Howard should play more minutes with Cody Zeller out. That's kind of the reason that Howard was a good value a month or so ago to begin with, is that he had to play more minutes without Cody Zeller being active uh, back when Zeller was hurt, and 7700 is a lot cheaper than Dwight Howard was back then. I think he reached 10000 on DraftKings at one point. So Howard is just really underpriced, and if he's not restricted, if he's not hurt at all, obviously it's contingent on him being fully healthy or at least close to it. Um, if he's not restricted, then Howard is probably one of the better plays in that price range. And then, yeah, Jeremy Lamb is the obvious value with Kid Gilchrist out. Um, And then I agree with you on Horford. So if you're using all of those guys together, I think Kyrie Irving makes sense too. He's kind of just fairly priced, but I think that becomes sort of a mini game stack where you would put someone who's fairly priced alongside a few other guys who are pretty strong values from the same team. Uh, I don't think I would use Kemba Walker. He's at 7,800, which is kind of just around the norm for him. But I think I, I, I would use Kyrie Irving at a similar price.
0: Yeah, uh, I just think there's better plays than Kyrie. Uh, the other thing also is I'm kind of thinking about the lineup construction for this slate. There's so many value plays that I think that the, the way that most of the lineups are probably going to be constructed is going to be a Stars and Scrubs type build. So I just kind of think that the price on Kyrie, which is just kind of fair, and I, I think that it's just going to make more sense to go to the more expensive guys.
1: Yeah, I guess with someone like Kyrie and then Lowry in the previous game, maybe they are more in play if the injury situations we're talking about don't end up opening up any value. So like if Aaron Gordon plays and Cody Zeller plays, then there's less value in those games. So then maybe we have to go with more game stacks. But yeah, I agree. This could end up being really stars and scrubs type slate. So then those guys in the 7,000 range that are sort of fringe picks, we probably wouldn't need to use them at all.
0: Okay, uh, the next game here. Boy, this is really annoying. My iPad is not cooperating at all. So the next game is the Indiana Pacers at the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I'm just kind of going a little bit off memory on the pricing now. I think that Victor Oladipo was nine thousand. Um, yeah, nine thousand for Oladipo. Money. Got all it right, right. So, so for Oladipo at nine thousand, that's just cheaper than what he's been recently. And it's also a really strong matchup against Atlanta. It's funny because the last game where I also liked Oladipo and he was a little bit too cheap, he was actually under 9,000. I think he was eighty-eight or 8,900 against Dallas. And he actually ended up having kind of a subpar game. He had just under 40 fantasy points. But the reason was because he got in foul trouble really quickly and only ended up playing like 25 or 24 minutes in that game. So I think that this price tag on him in a matchup against the Hawks. I think that he's one of the high-priced guys that actually has pricing value to him because he's somebody who I would normally expect to be priced around 10000 or so for this matchup. And then from the Hawks' side of the game, now that I have the pricing up, uh, John Collins is at $6,100. Uh, I think there's some upside there, except maybe not a particularly strong play for him. The Hawks had everybody active last game. Deadman ended up playing after not starting the game before. They're giving Muscala minutes. If I had to roster one guy on the Hawks, um, I think, I guess, it would probably be Schroeder and then John Collins also. So maybe you could do a mini stack with, like, Collins, Schroeder, and Oladipo. But mostly just Oladipo for me from this game. Uh, John Collins is kind of more a boom-bust type play that I think is worth some GPP exposure.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Oladipo is the only guy in this game that's really worth targeting. And I guess I made the point earlier when you mentioned Giannis that there were players that were fairly expensive that were just better picks. Oladipo was the first guy I was thinking of. And then sort of on the same note, that probably makes Lowry and Kyrie Irving, who we've mentioned, less usable because Oladipo is just a way better play than both of them. So yeah, the game stacking situation just doesn't seem as great when we have Oladipo and then also Drummond and Griffin, I think are just better picks. So I'll, I'll definitely be on Victor Oladipo, but I don't really think I like the Hawks' side of the game too much. The minutes are just really unpredictable, and I don't know, the ownership could be pretty high on John Collins, although he wasn't really that good last game, so maybe no, he, not. No, he was bad last game. It really yeah, he, uh, he was in foul trouble last game and then just didn't play well either. Um, but I don't think there's really much blowout risk in this game. The Pacers are only four and a half point favorites on the road, so I do think the mini stack idea makes some sense. Schroeder seems to be the guy who is most often affected by blowouts. He doesn't play at all in garbage time, but he will almost always play if the game's close. So I think he would be the one Hawks guy who I would play alongside Oladipo and just hope the game stays close.
0: Yeah, and another thing also is that Schroeder is really the only player who could score on the Hawks roster. So generally, if he doesn't have a good game, it's hard for them to keep games competitive because they don't have another way to put the ball in the bucket and they're not good enough defensively where they're shutting teams down on defense. So I I think it makes sense to play Schroeder with Oladipo and then maybe Collins in there also. Uh, Next game here, the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not going to be on the Phoenix side of the game just because of the down pace. From the Grizzlies side of the game, there is some value here because Tyreek Evans has been ruled out. So Evans is out, and then we also have Wayne Seldon's out, Chandler Parsons out, and DeAndre Davis is out. The, the Grizzlies' injury reports have been crazy this year because there's never a game that they don't have like at least five players who are listed as out on the injury report, if we're including Mike Conley, who's missed basically the entire season. So with those guys out, uh, I think Jarrell Martin, Andrew Harrison, Jermichael Green all make for good value plays. And then Marcus Soule, I think, is worthy of paying up for it, 8,400.
1: Yeah, the Grizzlies are a pretty good source of value in that sort of Feeds into that stars and scrubs idea that we were talking about. Uh, I'm looking at Alex Len's price 5700 for him is probably too expensive anyway in a bad matchup in Memphis in a down pace game against Marcus Soul. Uh But is Tyson Chandler expected to be back for this game anyway? That would probably make Len just completely unusable.
0: I think the rumor right now is that Chandler is going to miss the rest of the season.
1: All right. Well, even with Chandler out, I still don't think Len is a good play at all. Definitely avoiding the Suns and then yeah, Green Martin. Harrison Gasol, uh, we might have the situation where Marcus Gasol doesn't end up playing, and then Ivan Rabb would be a really strong value with uh, Deontay Davis also hurt. I think Rab would probably start at center. I'm not sure who else the Grizzlies have. They had Brandon Wright for half the season, but he's on the Rockets now. Uh, who who else do who else can the Grizzlies use? I mean, could they play Jermichael Green at center and go really small ball? Because that would also make the Suns more viable. Or is this just too speculative to think that Marcus Gasol might get rested?
0: I mean, it's definitely possible because the Grizzlies are not trying to win games right now. But I I, I, won't, I wouldn't put too many what-if scenarios out there for that right now. Um, it, just more along the lines of, I think that Andrew Harrison, Jermichael Green, and Jerome Martin are definitely the really strong plays from the Grizzlies. And that Gasol is somebody who's good to pay up for. And if on the off chance he's rested, we probably will know that ahead of time.
1: Yeah, so I guess if we know that ahead of time, or even if we don't, Ivan Rab and then probably Dylan Brooks also, I think, are guys to keep an eye on. But definitely those first three are strong values for this game, no matter what.
0: All right, next game on the slate is the Golden State Warriors at the Washington Wizards. Uh, From the Warriors side of the game, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant have actually been priced down a decent amount from where they've been over the last few games, which is funny because I think... Was it the last game against the Knicks where they were like 10,900 and 10,500 something like that, like that each? And now they're both under 10,000, so I think that both of them are fine upside plays. Uh, I still do prefer uh, Oladipo at a similar price tag, but I think that they're both okay. Uh, from the Wizards' side of the game, uh, Kelly Oubre and Markeith Morris are both okay guys to pay up for. Kind of the same situation they've been in the last couple games that we've liked them, and I think that's... Pretty much all there is to see from this game.
1: Yeah, I don't actually think I'll roster much of Durant and Curry unless they're sort of a necessity from a lineup construction standpoint. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it's because of Thomas Saturanski's defense at point guard, but I do think the, the Wizards play slower without Wall, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but yeah, this isn't the best matchup in Washington, so I'd, I'd call Curry and Durant just fringe plays, and they have if they happen to fit, then fine. But, yeah, Oubre and Marquise Morris, I think, are okay plays. But if a lot of the value that we're looking at opens up, I don't think I would use them. Like, Hazonia with Gordon out would be a much better play. The Grizzlies, forwards, Martin and Green, I think, are better plays. So maybe these Wizards guys are more fringe, too. But they're probably usable, especially if you're making a lot of lineups.
0: All right. uh, Next game here, the New Orleans Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs. So I think the Anthony Davis... Discussion here is pretty interesting. Matt and I kind of started it before the podcast, and then uh, we just decided to start the podcast because it made more sense to do it on the podcast and talk about it and then redo the same exact conversation and pretend we didn't already have it. So uh, Anthony Davis at 11,700 has been absolutely ridiculous lately. His last few games, he has scored, uh, he's scored 60 or more fantasy points in five of his last six games. He's actually scored over 90 fantasy points more times than he's scored under 60 over his last six games. Uh, obviously, last game, 93 fantasy points against the Suns. That was the high-water mark for him this year. It is a tough matchup against the Spurs. He figures to be very chalky, uh, I think justifiably so, because of how ridiculously good he's been lately. Uh, so I'll say that I think that he's... In a vacuum, I think he's in play. Uh, I think there is merit to fading him for ownership reasons in GPP. From the Spurs' side of the game, we have Pau Gasol is out is officially out for tomorrow. So we don't know who's going to start for him right now. It could be Bertans. Uh, the Spurs could also just play a really small lineup with Aldridge at center, and maybe they go with Rudy Gay at power forward or Kyle Anderson at power forward. Patty Mills has been starting at shooting guard, so I think he's a really good play at 4,400. Kyle Anderson, I still think, is a fine play at 5,100 because he figures to have to play a lot of minutes in a plus matchup with Pau Gasol out. And DeJounte Murray, I think, is a good play at 6,000. And then LaMarcus Aldridge is also a good play at 8,100. So another thought also on the ownership of Anthony Davis and using him in GPP is if I do use him, it's going to be in a stack of this game where it's probably going to be Anthony Davis combined with, say, like, Patty Mills, DeJounte Murray, and Lamarcus Aldridge?
1: So I don't actually think I'll roster much of Anthony Davis, if at all. Yeah, this was the conversation that we started having. It's good that we just only have the conversation once, because I think we'd get a little bit bored with ourselves. Uh, but, yeah, Anthony Davis was sort of our disagreement. Um, the The first problem is just lineup construction, because I think a lot of the values that we've talked about are in more of the 4500 to 6000 range, and there aren't really any cheap near min-priced values. So when we're saying stars and scrubs, I think it's more like near stars and near scrubs, where it's going to be a lot of guys in like the eight to nine k range, and then a lot of guys in like the five to six k range, because we haven't really named a value play that looks like a good one below. I think forty four hundred for Jarrell Martin is about the cheapest. So, unless something drastic changes like Dwight Howard being out or Marcus Saul being out, I think we're going to be stuck with a lot of 5,000 ish priced players and then some guys in the 9 to 10 range, which means it, it's really tough to fit Anthony Davis in. Um, and if you want a game stack here, then you're going to be using Lamarcus Aldridge too. So, I think it's just a little too expensive to use Anthony Davis at 11,700. But then also, it's just it's an awful matchup in San Antonio. Uh, the, the Pelicans are four point underdogs which I think is a really low number for a game in San Antonio. Uh, Just looking at the ability of these teams overall, (laughs) Greg, you said the players on the Pelicans are probably better than the players on the Spurs, which, yeah, may be true, but the Spurs are still a much better team, and I think they are still much better even with Pau Gasol not playing. Uh, Looking at the point differential for these teams, the Pelicans are basically at neutral for the year, and that's with a bunch of DeMarcus Cousins playing, who is not playing anymore, so... I think conservatively, they're a little below average, and the Spurs are plus three, three and a half or so. So the Spurs are probably four or five points better at least than the Pelicans, plus they're at home. I think there might even be some blowout risk here, and I think the Spurs guys could do fine even in a blowout. Uh, Maybe it's a concern for Aldridge, but I think Murray and Mills would still play plenty of minutes. So I'm okay with rostering two, three, maybe four Spurs guys in lineups without using any Pelicans players in those lineups. Um, maybe Davis and then maybe Miritich if you really want a game stack, but I don't think I'll really be stacking this game. I think it's just use the value on the Spurs and that's it.
0: Yeah, so here's the thing that I'm kind of just going back and forth about. Is I like I wish that somebody would just tell me right now, this is what Anthony Davis is going to be on tomorrow. Because I, I think that there... Of the high-priced players, he's almost locked to be the highest owned. The question is, what is that ownership going to look like? Because if, if like, 25% would be high ownership, but that's not high enough where it's like you have to fade him. Like, if we're going to see Anthony Davis in, like, the 35 to 40% range, then I think it makes more sense to go lighter on him. Because uh, just in a vacuum, I think he's such a strong play. Because I really do think he's matchup-proof. Like, nobody is...
1: Pace proof. If a game has less possessions, it is less possessions. And this I game have will them. have less possessions. The Spurs do play very slow.
0: Yeah, but uh, the
1: total is still two nineteen for the game.
0: Yeah, for for me, the the question is really what is his ownership going to be. Um, so I, I think that what I'll say right now is I'm probably going to have
1: some exposure to Anthony Davis, and it'll probably be less than what the field has. And I'm guessing you'll only use him in lineups that include LaMarcus Aldridge, and then probably also one of De- Dante Murray or Patty Mills or maybe even both of them?
0: Yeah, or I think Davis-Burtons can be a good value play if he's starting also.
1: But would you use Davis in lineups that don't have at least one San Antonio guy?
0: Uh, probably not, Now.
1: Yeah, well, I think most of our lineups will have Spurs guys anyway just because there's a lot of value on them, so that might not even be an issue. Davis will just fall into lineups with Spurs players by accident. Um, but I just don't think there's a lot of value in his price tag. I mean... 11700 has been just too cheap for him based on his production. Um, I think he's benefited from two overtime games recently. It's one or two. I forget exactly. So maybe his stats are a little inflated. Um, The last
0: game against the Suns wasn't an overtime game. No,
1: it wasn't. But that's also the Suns. I mean, he could put up another 80 fantasy point game against the Spurs. But I I think it's pretty unlikely. So I think at this point I'll say I'm probably not going to use him. But if there are more punt plays and it's easier to pay up for them, then I think maybe I'll use them.
0: All right. The next game is the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I don't really think there's any value on either side of this game. Uh, one thing that I think is maybe worth discussing is, Matt, would you prefer to roster Russell Westbrook or Anthony Davis?
1: I think Davis um, – I well, you mentioned the ownership before. I guess I should – touch on that for a second. Uh, I don't think Davis will be more than 25% owned or so, because I think people do realize that playing in San Antonio is difficult, and there just are a lot of options on this slate. So Davis won't be 10% owned, probably, but I think he could be only around 20 to 25, um, which may not even be that much higher than Westbrook. So I guess the bottom line is, I think he is independent of ownership, and then just the the reason to go with Davis over Westbrook is because of the game stack potential with those Spurs guys who we're already using anyway. So I think I'd be more inclined to use Davis than Westbrook, but I probably won't use either guy. I think the, the value is just kind of on other players that are cheaper. So Westbrook is just too expensive in this matchup.
0: Okay, the final game on the slate is the Houston Rockets at the LA Clippers. The Clippers playing on the tail end of a back to back, but they are at home. Um, although, is tonight's game? Tonight's game's in Denver, so it still is travel for them. Uh, Houston side of the game, we have Clint Capella is questionable with an illness. I'm assuming that Capella is going to play because he was questionable last game. It's only a sickness. And he was also supposedly sick the night before the last game, which was one of the reasons he had a bad performance. So it's been what well, it'll have been four days since he got sick. So he should be good to go by then. Um, I think that Trevor Ariza is fine to pay up for forty-six hundred. I mean, not pay up for he's fine to roster forty-six hundred. <laughs> uh, I was going to say I think that. James Harden is somebody else who I think is interesting discussion. Would you rather pay up for James Harden or Anthony Davis? Oh, these are
1: tough. These are tough questions. You're really uh, making making it difficult for this podcast. Um, I think Harden, the matchup is better. I know that it's not really a game stack spot for Harden, but I don't know. It's close. I I think I'll say again, I, I don't really like Harden either, but in a lot of lineups, I Think he makes sense to have a little bit just because the matchup is strong.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I still think Davis is the guy I.
1: Well, will we like, agree at least that Harden's a better play than Westbrook?
0: Um, yes. I'm also. Uh, I actually think I might prefer to roster Chris Paul in this matchup than Harden. This is a really cheap price for Chris Paul versus what he's been at recently.
1: And 8, it's a revenge game. How could you not remember that it's a revenge game?
0: <laughs> but the other thing also, 8300 for Chris Paul, he was almost 10000 a week ago.
1: But just, just comment on the revenge game part, right? That has to be the most important factor.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to ignore that part. But <laughs> like,
1: No, he is cheap. 8300 I think he was close to 10000 just a couple weeks ago when Harden That's... was playing.
0: I don't. He hasn't been eighty three hundred since he was injured last.
1: Yeah, that's so, an odd price. Has he just not been playing that well? I mean, the Rockets have had a couple tough matchups recently. They were in Utah last game. They were in Denver the game before. Um, he's been.
0: I mean, he hasn't had any big games, but the least amount of fantasy points he's scored since February eleventh is thirty seven.
1: Yeah, and his minutes aren't down. Um, he's fallen just short of the double double bonus a couple times, so maybe that's why his fantasy production is a little bit lower. Although he, his assists are kind of down this year, just because James Harden is also on the team. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird to see Chris Paul at eighty three hundred since he's normally mid nine thousands, and he's even been over ten a few times.
0: So, uh, so here's here's the issue that I have with the Harden versus Westbrook thing. I would rather just play chris paul and i probably don't want to play chris paul and james harden together
1: well i think the answer to harden versus westbrook is neither i I think i'm very unlikely to use either guy in this slate for the same reasons that it's hard to use anthony davis so if i had to say which of those four guys i'm going to use the most davis westbrook harden and paul i would say definitely chris paul just because he's easier to fit into lineups on a slate like this and there's probably just more value in his price tag
0: yeah i think uh I think this is a good spot for Chris Paul. It's a little annoying that it, that it has the revenge narrative because people are going to want to roster him because of that, but I think he's a good play just because it's a good matchup and he's too
1: cheap So what you're saying is you're buying into revenge narratives as a as a philosophy and all in for Chris Paul for the slate I, that's that's what I'm hearing at least
0: uh, I think Chris Paul's a good play tomorrow that's
1: and I agree okay. <laughs>
0: All right, so that's going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRinbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we will be back recording tomorrow at some point when, probably while Chris Paul is in the middle of a 60 fantasy point game.